Welcome to Measuring What Matters, Best Practices in Conducting an Equity Audit, a special series in the Equity Clinic. I'm Dr. Almitra Berry. How are the children? In our time today, I'd like to provide you with six best practices in conducting an equity audit in your school or district. I'll also introduce you to some tools to conduct your own audit. We'll focus on the question, how do I know if my audit will provide me with comprehensive information to improve equity outcomes? If you're not familiar with our Equity Conversations Protocol, check out the workshop, The Equity Conversations Protocol, available on this same channel. And don't forget to like and subscribe to stay on top of any new content that we release on the topic of equity. I'm gonna start in an unconventional manner. I want you to recall as best you can the story of Alice in Wonderland. There's a point in the story where Alice is looking for directions and she asks of the Cheshire Cat, would you tell me please which way I ought to go from here? The Cheshire Cat says, that depends a good deal on where you wanna to get to. Alice says, I don't much care where. So the cat says, then it doesn't matter which way you go. Alice amends her request to, well, so long as I get somewhere. The cat says, oh, you're sure to do that if only you walk long enough. Now think about you, your district, and where you are with equity initiatives and audits, a conversation where Alice represents the district. A lot of the challenges we see when it comes to strategic plans and equity initiatives and audits is that districts aren't always sure where they want to go, but they know they need to go somewhere because this is not a time when it's okay to not address equity. And unfortunately, there are a lot of Cheshire cats out there that won't advise you in the interest of the most important affected group of people in the district, your students. So I wanna get you grounded in a few things and let's start with one of public education's foundational principles, that an educated citizenry is a vital requisite for our survival as a free people. Now, granted, when Thomas Jefferson said these words, the word our didn't refer to people that look like me, not my gender, not my race. But the importance is this, that when we fail to educate every child to become the best possible version of a citizen that child can become, we threaten our survival as a nation of free people. We threaten our economy, our health, our security, our collective futures. So whether you've already purchased our equity audit toolkit or you've engaged with another firm for an audit, maybe you're still shopping or just trying to determine, like Alice, which way to go, there are six best practices to keep in mind. In my equity conversations protocol, etiquette number one is to work on yourself first. As district leadership, you need to make sure that you've got the story correct in your heads, in your hearts, before sharing publicly. And that's what best practices one through three are all about. Now, if you're working with our Equity Audit Toolkit, you should already have this infographic as a handout. If not, you can scan the code on screen to get your copy. Before you ever begin an audit, 
You need to have a handle on your goals and vision. Think about Alice, where you want to get to, that's your vision. And there are three baselines that are key to fulfilling that vision, academics, policy mindset, and leadership mindset. These are things that you can measure. Now, I believe to achieve a goal, you have to name it. So what is your equity goal? Start on the inside, your internal teams, and then work outward. Begin with your vision. What is it that you want your organization to look like in three, five, or 10 years from now? What are your values? What do you stand for? And how do you want the people in your organization to behave when no one is looking? Last, what's your mission? What's the purpose for your equity audit's existence? Now, if you're using our equity audit toolkit, make sure you view the videos and use the workshop tools provided to develop your vision, mission, and values. And with those things in mind, where are you now? How do the adults in your organization feel about equity? Checking the pulse of those who not only deliver instruction, but those who also handle the day-to-day -day operations of running your school system will give you a good idea of how your equity plans will be received and implemented. You need to know how much support or pushback you'll receive because nothing derails an initiative faster than ignorance and unwillingness. Measuring sentiment on the front end will help to inform you of how much professional learning is required to make any changes you propose as a result of your audit stick. Organizational change is never easy, but if you fail to recognize stuck mindsets and fail to do the work to shift them, then your task becomes that much more difficult if not impossible. Best practice number two is to master your story. From top to bottom, everyone in your organization needs to understand the big ideas around equity. My simple definition of equity is freedom from bias against or favoritism for any group. This definition is simple enough for everyone to not only understand, but commit to memory, to articulate to others, and to reflect on their own practices, behaviors, and choices in and out of the classroom. It should be part of the story everyone tells when discussing your equity audit and initiative. And that means having a deep understanding of exactly what explicit and implicit bias are. Now, explicit are your attitudes and beliefs that you're fully conscious of. These are things that we can self-report. It's like the top part of that iceberg. You can see it. Implicit bias is like the bottom part of the iceberg. It's the stuff that's buried down deep that you can't necessarily see. Those are your fundamental beliefs and values. They live deep inside of us, but they influence our thoughts and our behaviors sometimes unconsciously, which is why it's also referred to as unconscious bias. Now we have to accept that we all have bias and understand that it's normal, but then we work to create space, not just physical space, but 
psychological space where people can bring their biases to the surface without ignorance and hate taking over, as I say, sucking all the air out of the room. So if it hasn't happened yet, it has to happen, particularly with all of leadership before you begin your audit. At the very least, your consultant team or your audit team should have this creating this understanding as an essential first step. Now, this can't be confusing or be confused. Well, it seems so simple. It does require work on everyone's behalf. We have to be comfortable with naming bias, and we have to be comfortable accepting others who are in different places with that comfort on their own personal journeys. You have to have conversations without intolerance, ignorance, or hate, as I said, sucking the air out of the room. And that's tough when people are, are, are passionate. Just as important, everyone needs to understand what the E in DEI is not. Equity is not critical race theory. And with that knowledge, your audit should work to collect data on moving your initiative and your audit forward by building a coalition of internal and external supporters. Best practices here include measuring leadership support and understanding the equity concerns and experiences of your parents and student caregivers, as well as members of your broader community who maybe don't even have children in your school. You have to build a community in order to build a culture of success. You have to develop awareness among all those who hold a vested interest about what it is you intend to do. Just as the district needs to be crystal clear and cohesive about what equity and bias are and are not, you'll have to educate the broader community on those same areas. Think about all these factions with, that you need to bring together and create awareness and buy-in with. Internally, you have your students, employees, especially teachers and school site administrators, as well as your school board members. Externally, you have parents, local business leaders, your broader tax-paying community, and depending on which state you're in, you may have city, county, state, and federal government entities. You have activist groups, media, vendors, and just as an aside, I can't tell you how many RFPs I've seen about equity initiatives and equity audits that leave me scratching my head on how many times not taking this critical step leads to a crisis. And that brings me to practice number three, be guided by facts. Accept people's lived experiences as truths. While it might not be your truth, it is theirs. And you cannot develop an equity mindset or organizational culture if you do not recognize that different individuals within your community have different truths based on their experiences with your school or district. Best practices one through three are all about starting out with the right frames of reference so that your audit and initiative will be successful. Practices four, five, and six are the heart of your audit. Think back to Alice. Where exactly do you want to go? Because these practices cannot be done if you're just wandering around the equity forest. 
your audit should be designed to move your systems from where they are to where you want them to be. Which way you go, as the Cheshire Cat said, depends a good deal on where you want to get to. And that means you need to set more than just a destination. You need some baselines. One of those baseline measurements is your district's climate and culture. If you're not auditing mindset policy and instructional and disciplinary practices, you won't dive down to the bottom of the iceberg to get at those deeply held beliefs that might be working against equity. Again, you'll be like Alice, wandering around in the equity forest, not knowing which way to go. The second baseline you'll measure is on academics. When your audit examines academics, it needs to look at more than just instructional materials. You have to collect data on how educators deliver instruction and interact with learners, all learners, from your gifted and talented to those with low incidence disabilities, from artists to athletes and model citizens to disciplinary challenges. So in our audits, we collect and interpret data across a number of topics. Take a look at the highlighted bullets on screen. We look at and suggest you consider your educators' perceptions of curriculum and instruction, accommodations and assessments, special education, professional learning opportunities. Take a look at classroom observations conduct an instructional materials review, gather data on student climate and culture, and conduct some student focus groups. As a best practice, this will provide a broad view of equity across all your educational inputs, not only from the educator's view, but your learners as well. And you cannot have an equity audit without visually observing the instructional methods your educators employ, how teachers and learners engage with the curriculum, how educators manage their classrooms, and their level of expertise with interpersonal skills that are critical to student success, especially with your culturally and linguistically diverse learners. So your audit should include unscheduled observations of a statistically significant number of classrooms. Your audit should also examine the materials that are used with your learners for equity. As an example, our equity audit toolkit guides our clients through a curriculum review for bias and equity based on the eight standards you see on screen. I won't read these all, just press pause if you need a moment. Those eight standards have a total of 11 criterion. For example, from the standard, reflect students' cultural repertoires and views them worthy of sustaining is shown here. We wanna make sure that the materials that are used perpetuate and foster linguistic, literate, and cultural pluralism by sustaining in-group and cross-group cultural practices. And then digging even deeper, we provide 57 indicators. Now, this one that you see addresses the standard visibility, images, and stereotyping. So one of those indicators is to examine the materials to see that when people with disabilities are depicted in the materials, 
They're depicted in terms of their careers, their contributions to society and shown as active members of communities. They should not only be shown to serve as an inspiration because they've overcome a challenge. And finally, it's a best practice to engage the learners in your audit. After all, they are the primary customer of your school or district. You're here or there to serve them. So conducting focus groups with learners at grades four through 12 to hear their truths and measure their perspectives is critical to an audit having a comprehensive lens. Triangulating your data, as it were, from across your internal and external community groups. The third baseline is policy. Your audit should measure how school and district policies play roles in hiring, retaining, and promoting the adults in your organization. It should examine not only how human resources, but also capital resources are acquired and distributed. You have to examine individuals' mindsets, go beyond what's planned and recorded on paper. You have to understand why policies and practices exist and what it is that they're designed to do, to whom, and why. Looking deeper, your audit should get at the mindsets of individuals who develop policy and how those policies impact learners their families, your community, and your employees. The fourth baseline is the mindset of your leaders. How does equity play a role in the day-to-day -day administration of your individual schools and your district as a whole? In studying the leadership mindset, we get beyond policy development and intent to policy implementation and its impact. So these four baselines, climate and culture, academics, policy mindset, and leadership mindset, get at people's lived experiences. They provide a tremendous amount of detail about intent and impact for every affected group in your community. Getting the baseline gives you the starting point just like the baseline probes we take for reading and mathematics, especially with our young learners, this data will tell you what needs to be taught, adjusted, developed, eliminated, or created. And that begins to happen with best practice number four, not just understanding, but accepting the data that's returned. That understanding is facilitated by having comprehensible analysis of your data. Now we've just uncovered all the data your audit should gather, but the data is of no use if your key constituents and supporters, both internal and external, don't understand it. Not only do you need analytics, you need a roadmap, a plan of what to do with all that information. Now, if you're working in our equity audit toolkit, that reporting, analysis, and guidance are provided with every measuring tool. If you're working with another external consultant firm, they should provide that information and guidance to you. And if you DIY, make sure that your internal team 
includes someone with a firm grasp of inferential statistics. But no matter how you're conducting your audit, finding time to collaborate on the findings is an important part of practice number four. And that collaboration should focus on working to prioritize your findings. This work should provide clarity about where you are as an equitable organization. Then you can define the actions needed to get you where you want to go. It's important that you don't do this work in a vacuum and never accept a consultant's handing you a piece of paper that's nicely written with some facts and a story. Remember those habits of effective people? Seek first to understand. This is important because if you don't fully understand what your data is telling you, how can you determine the impact and feasibility of plans you develop to address equity based on your data? Answering questions like, what needs work? What's the gap between our present and desired state? Can we reduce or eliminate identified inequities? can only be answered without a firm or cannot be answered without a firm understanding of the data, prioritizing the findings and defining your actions or next steps. And doing so in light of four equity indicators that address meritocracy, standards, impartiality, and asset allocation. Now, if you're working with our Equity Audit Toolkit, we walk you through this work. But no matter the approach you take, keep these indicators in mind so you have that clear path to your organization's vision of equity. Best practice number five is enacting policies and procedures that are in line with your vision, mission, and values. So almost coming full circle now, you can see why it's important to begin with creating that vision, mission, and values in advance of the audit. Let's dig into this practice. This practice means creating an equity plan that makes sense to all of your internal and external supporters and affected parties. A plan that is action-based with fair and equitable policies and procedures that work to remedy the negative findings in your data. It means putting the plan into action and receiving continuous support from experts where needed. If the data reveals there's some deeply held racist beliefs that are impacting instruction, you're gonna need someone who's an expert at undoing racism, not an employee volunteer. If your data reveals that you have a cohort of folks that can't rate, relate to a demographic subgroup, or conversely, you have a demographic subgroup that is uncomfortable approaching the district about their children, that fix needs to be led by an expert who is skilled at community relations with those specific subgroups, someone trusted by that community. And if the problem is with curriculum and instruction, you need someone with expertise in curriculum and instruction. It's perfectly okay that you don't know what you don't know. Trust credible experts to keep you on the right path. It means that the priorities that you've named explicitly identify the challenges, strategies, and the budget and policy implement implications inherent 
in addressing the priority. And it means creating specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and timely or SMART goals so that you have a pathway to remedy the inequities you prioritized addressing. And then that those SMART goals map to SMART KPIs. And finally, practice number six is to take action and hold yourselves accountable. Be accountable to all the affected persons and groups you've named, but maintain that laser focus on the one group that matters the most, your students. Because if you change everything else but fail to impact that most important group, what's the point? You maybe have made adults feel good, you've checked a few boxes, but you've done nothing for our survival as a free people. Now, one of the additional things that we strongly suggest is the incorporation of toll gating throughout the audit. You never want to get to what you think is the end, the end of a phase, the end of a segment, the end of a um, implementation of a portion of the work, only to realize that you've missed or skipped critical elements that result in a negative outcome. There's a bit more to toll gating than what we have time for in this session. So be sure to check out our toll gating session if this is a new topic or you'd like some information. In the end, if you engage in those six best practices, you shouldn't end up in this place, unsure of location, direction, or your next move. If you're a user of the Equity Audit Toolkit, you've got all the tools and guidance you need. If you're looking for a way to conduct an audit, check out our toolkit. And if you're just doing a quality control of the tools or the firm that you're currently using, I hope this session provided you with some valuable insights. Because when we're talking about equity audits, the direction should lead you down the pathway to cultural competence. Don't be like Alice. Don't go wandering around equity forests asking Cheshire cats for directions when they have no real interest in what matters most. Make sure you follow those six best practices so you don't just get to anywhere. Get to where you need to be. If you've enjoyed this session, please hit the like button and sub subscribe to the Equity Clinic for more helpful tools, sessions, podcasts, and blogs on the topic of equity in the K-12 educational system. Follow us on social or check out our website at www.alberryconsulting.com. Thanks for watching. Be well.